0: So I think I took um, more of my time in the... um, I get excited about sharing these stories, right? So strap in. I want to to share with you uh, on the theme of the motivation for mission and and being the power of love. So that'll be the other PowerPoint, if we can stick that up. And um, very simple message, right? You've heard the Good Samaritan story. I just want to share the very simple message of the importance of our love for God and our love for one another. The more I'm involved in ministry, the more I realize again and again I'm going back to simple truths. Simple truths. Love one another. I mean, this is very real for me. I I didn't write this in, but um, we went to a funeral in, in this past week and. My my very close friend was killed on a push-bike by a person texting about 10 years ago, and then his son, now uh, 22, sad funeral, was found dead in bed. They don't know whether it was intentional or accidental suicide, don't know. But, you know, his mother said something very profound at the funeral. She said um, he had been going through some difficult times, some times of sadness and depression, can I just encourage everybody to be kind to one another? We just always speak words of compassion and kindness because you don't know when a person is going through a really hard time. And I thought, wow, that's kind of what we're speaking on here about loving one another, about the importance of loving one another and and how, how it is the greatest commandment. So I've got this quote from Mother Teresa. It says, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I like it. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And you know, one of the things I've also learned as I I go around Australia speaking in churches and that, how important the church service, you know, like at the end of the day, when you leave this service, sometimes the messages are good, sometimes they're not, sometimes the the speaker is engaging, sometimes not. But the thing that you usually take with you is the warm embrace, the hug, the, the fellowship, the talk. A service will be good or bad depending on your interactions that you've had during your morning here, yeah? It might be the most dynamic speaker, but if you feel isolated and alone and empty, it won't be as connected as when you do small things with great love and that can be a handshake. You know, some churches would have an elderly congregation, they look forward to Sunday because they're at least going to get an embrace that week. So never underestimate the power of that. I'm going to illustrate by telling two more stories, and I just introduce them now. I'll come back to them later. Mo and Sharon, Mustafa and Mason, they're, they're Farsi-speaking refugees from Iran in Indonesia. I'll see them again next weekend. And the other couple and the other person is Natalia, and I got to meet Natalia too. There's two of her children, and one of them wasn't there when I took that photo. Her husband was martyred for his faith in Ukraine. Um, and they both sharing the love of Christ. Why do they do that? Because they are just compelled to. They know Jesus Christ, and they want to share it with others, even through the hardest of circumstances. So my message today is basically this, based on the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And love others as yourselves. All the law and the prophets, hang on these two things. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Okay? Simple message. should be able to remember it. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. In a love that's real. In a love that's authentic. In a love that's practical. In a love that cares for their needs. In a love that reaches out to them. In a love that flows from your inner being. You can't give what you haven't got. But if you know Jesus Christ, and if, if, if you're in relationship with him, and you understand the great love that is represented on the cross, when Jesus died for us, and gave himself selflessly for us, and gave to us, showered us with the love of the Father, then we have something to give to others that the world desperately needs. Simple message. It's all I want to share. What was just read to us was the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm not going to go through the parable of the Good Samaritan because you know the story. But in that story, it's it's the second time in Scripture. First, in in Matthew 22, a teacher in the law asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? She says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. And then... In Luke chapter 10, is the parable of the Good Samaritan, where again an expert in the law comes along and says to Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Jesus says it again Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, and strength and mind. You know, interesting, an extra word there. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, he's an expert of the law. Of course, they want to catch Jesus out. So, of course, it goes into the question, well, then, Jesus, who is my neighbour? And, of course, then out of that falls the story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus talks about the religious person who, even though the Samaritans were despised and hated, even more than the Romans who were oppressing them, right? The religious person walks past... Levite walks past, but the Samaritan goes to this person, bandages their wounds, pays for their upkeep, cares for them, shows them love. And so Jesus just asks the question well, who's the neighbor? And the guy's smart, right? And the guy says, well, the one who showed mercy, go and do likewise. So again, simple message love God, love others, go and do likewise. been said our neighbour is anyone in need I like this definition of a neighbour our neighbour is anyone in need that we are in a position to help get that anyone in need who we're in a position to help whether it's financially, a word of um, kindness, encouragement a a supporting hand a, a, a help in some particular way, John Stott says scriptures speak not only survival of the fittest but a protection of the weakest so how are we going in that How are we going in that? I'm going to illustrate it a bit in a minute. But you've got to do a bit of self-examination. How are you going in this? It's the greatest commandment. And it's spoken about continually through Scripture. Love is the key. Love is the key. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you love one another by this. Not by how many times you've been to church or how many hours you're spending quiet time or how many times you've read through the Bible or how effective you are in witnessing or how whatever. It's by this, by the way that you love one another and you love your neighbour. It's not just being a collection of of Christians that just love on each other. It's loving your neighbour. Who is my neighbour? Oh, what does a good Samaritan say? My neighbour is anyone in need who I am in a position to help. The Samaritan was in a position to help. But rather than walk past, he loved. And that's the thing that should make us stand out. That's the thing, you know? Loving one another. It was to be the hallmark of the Christian life. What's there? For the first three centuries, the church grew rapidly. Yeah? started from nothing i don't know there's a thing on um, youtube at the moment it says what is it the evolution of religion very interesting have anyone seen that it has a bar graph of uh christianity it starts with christianity at the top and 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 the the against the population of the world and it goes down you know hinduism i think was second and and down the list is islam and then the the graph goes from 1947 to 2019 and you watch the, the graphs move and you, and you watch positions on the, the bar chart move, the different religions, fascinating. The greatest explosion of the Christian church was in the first three centuries. Why? Why? Because they love one another. If we were to look and read the, the passage in Acts chapter 2, it says, Acts chapter 2 says they accepted the message They were baptised. About 3,000 were added to their number. That day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Yes, we need to learn. We need to grow. We need to fellowship and breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe and wonder at the signs being performed. All the believers were together, had things in common. They loved one another. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. How did they know people had need? Because they connected with people and they loved them. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour and goodwill of all the people. Why would they enjoy the favour and goodwill of all the people? Because all the people were being loved on. They were being encouraged and shared. And it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being baptised. If you look at early church history, In the first couple of centuries, some of the church fathers, Tertullian, the Romans would say of the Christians, see how they love one another. That's not in the Bible. That's what the Romans would say. These Christians just love one another. Look at the history of Justin Martyr in the same period, in the first couple of centuries of the church. He writes this. He says, We used to hate and destroy one another and refuse to associate with people of another race or country. But now, because of Christ, we live together with such people and pray for our enemies. And then, in the 3rd century, there was a huge explosion in the Christian church. Why? Because in the 3rd century, there was a devastating plague that swept throughout the ancient world. And the only ones who cared for the sick and were at risk of contracting disease were the Christians. People would bring out sick members of their own families and stick them on the street. They wouldn't care for them, but the Christians did. Well, this makes me think of that Monty Python, you know, bring out your... Anyway, Um, so, but that's what was going on. People were ejecting people from their own homes, but not the Christians. They loved, and they loved, and they loved. So how do we show that today? Well, let me quickly share. This um, first couple up the top here, this is, um, this is Muhammad and Sharon. They started our Farsi program to refugees in Indonesia. This couple now, this, uh, this is Mustafa here, and this young couple, um, May Sam, Sam and Tara. Um, beautiful couple. They are refugees ministering to refugees. Here's the fact. We hear a lot of political, I'm not being political here, but you need to know some facts. Over 10,000 just Farsi-speaking refugees. That's not including the Ethiopian refugees and refugees from other parts that are in Indonesia. And yes, these were people who would have loved to have got on a boat, a fishing boat or any kind of vessel to come to Australia. Absolutely. Yes, they were. They come from Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Turkey, Tajikistan. Common language is the Persian language. So we have a ministry to these people. And no, they're not there because they're economic refugees, just trying to make a fortune in Australia. That is not the case. And if you believe that, you need to get re-educated, because many of these people, most of them are Shiite Muslims that are there, and they're there. Some of them are there because they married out of love. They're still Muslim, but if if, if, if you're a young woman like um, like that Tara, um, I'll go back ooh, to, to young Tara. Or even Sharon, they're promised in marriage at a young age to an old uncle who might be in his 70s. If they marry out of love, they've got a choice. Either flee the country or one of them will get imprisoned and one will get killed. Simple. Okay, and I think we've got some Farsi brothers here and they can verify some of this. If they have a different religious persuasion, if they're Sunni instead of Shiite, boom, in prison. Right? If they're, if they're an ethnic group, Hazara or something else, boom, in prison. So many of them flew from their country of origin to Indonesia where they become refugees. Ah, and to be a refugee is not easy. No education for your children. So Mohammed and Sharon have just been accepted as as, uh, uh, sponsored refugees in in Canada, Bless Canada. But they've got an 11-year-old son. They were 11 years in Indonesia. Their son gets educated on the computer, can't take the place of a child in school. No access to um, government medical. They've got to pay for it. Ah, but the kicker is you're not allowed to earn money. Not allowed, even allowed to sell souvenirs on the side of the road or you'll get in prison and deported. And deporting means basically you will die. And so just quickly, I mean, how much time have we got? Like 12, 12? 12? Um, I asked the question. I sit with these guys, right? I sit down with them and we have Farsi barbecue and we sit down. And I said, let me ask you what a lot of Australians say. Why don't you go home? If it's so hard here, why don't you go home? They say, well, let me share one story. Our friends, she was promised to an older uncle, and he died, and so by this time they had two children in Indonesia, so they decide to fly back to their home of origin. When they arrive, they're picked up at the airport, driven into the desert, the parents are killed, and the children are abandoned. Why? It's the only way we can restore honour to the family name. Why don't people go back? These are the refugees. So there's a refugee program. How does this tie in with what I'm preaching on? There's a refugee program that just offers love, gives them food, gives them secondhand furniture. It'd be like your church here out in the foyer saying, okay, after church each Sunday, we're going to just have a free for all and you're welcome to come. All your refugees are welcome to come. And they do. They think, if these Christians are stupid enough to give us food and clothes and second-hand goods, you're stupid. We'll take it. So they do. But here's the thing. In the Islam religion, they have no understanding of a God of love. None. And so these people are loved. And they're loved, and they're loved, and they're loved, and they're loved. And you know what happens? Their heart breaks open. And they're coming to Christ. And you know, to come to Christ as a refugee actually puts them in a worse position because the Australian government just thinks you've just become a Christian because you're thinking it'll help you get into the country. No. They're just loved. They're loved. They teach them English. They teach them Bahasa. They're smart people. That Sharon, she's a qualified lawyer. She met her husband in a theological college in Egypt. That young couple, Tara and Sam, now they're taking on the ministry He's thirty, she's twenty-eight. They've only been married twelve months. They're refugees in Indonesia, and they say to me, "Kevin, we're looking at this experience like we're still on our honeymoon, and one day we'll be at a place where we can live." Okay. Um, now, how this ties in with us? They're loved into the kingdom, but then they need to be fed. So, through a mobile app, this is on Telegram. We upload Farsi programs. This is now, and we feed them we feed them, because then they need to be discipled. So through our radio programs, we do a radio program in the Farsi language on our Indonesian network at about 2am in the morning, because they sleep all day in the heat of the day and they're awake at night, and we don't have to worry about a Bahasa audience because they're sleeping, they listen, and then we upload the messages twice a week onto Telegram, and now we're getting hits. Netherlands, Malaysia, Thailand, Sweden, France, Germany, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And the governments in the Middle East aren't blocking the program because it comes with a .id address and it comes from Indonesia. God is good. God is amazing. Love. These people are loved into the kingdom. We haven't got this for security. This person sends a, sends a marker in, in, and, again, our, our brother that can speak Farsi says, well, this is where we're listening in our small group in Iran. Who would have thought a ministry started amongst refugees of Farsi speakers in Indonesian is now being shared throughout the world. Who would have thought? Well, I guess God did. So they're a, they're a beautiful couple, this, uh, this young couple, that have taken over the ministry there, and I'll go and visit them soon. And the other one, uh, an example of, of love too, is this woman, Natalia. That tower there was our radio tower, and, and the war is still continuing, okay, in Ukraine, between the Russian rebels and the Ukrainians, and as and a it's kind of like a crazy war where people are fighting against each other, who have grown up together. Can you imagine I go to a house, and they, and, and in this house, it's, it's like here in neighborhood. It'd be like saying, yeah, well, that, that family's son, he's fighting for Russia, and uh, that family's son, they're fighting for Ukraine. Yeah. So can you imagine kids that have grown up and played on the streets together are now on opposite side, and now they're killing each other? And you know what? One of our major programs there is to help suicide among soldiers because they cannot handle the guilt and the grief of killing people that they grew up with. They're killing them for this war. And this woman, her husband, that's her husband. That's what, that's what the, her town looks like, Slavansk in, in Ukraine. And, and you see those, those four men that were martyred. Two were deacons and two were pastor's sons. Her husband was a pastor's son, a great evangelist. But when the pro Russian rebels came in, they went into the church. Are you guys doing the radio program? Come with us. They interrogated them in a building. Um, I haven't got the building. And um, they interrogated them and they shot them. Then they tried to blackmail the family um, for, for, for money to release, and they were already dead. And do you know what this woman does? This amazing woman? She's got three teenage children, right? So what does she do, just hide in home? No. You know what she does? She takes care packages to the 18 and 19-year-old soldiers on the front lines. And has a Bible, has a radio, has some first aid stuff, it has some food. Oh, man, that's love. She loves and she loves and she loves and she loves, and they provide clothing for people when they come back. And the love of Christ compels, do you get it? How do we? How are we going with this? Do we love one another? But really? Our neighbor is anyone in need that we're in a position to help. This is my command that you love one another as I loved you. If you love me, Jesus said you'll keep my command. Simple. Yeah, simple. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets. I was asked to preach on um, Micah chapter 3. And uh, if you read Micah chapter 3, it's an interesting passage. You know, there's this analogy at the beginning where there's uh, all these bones in a pot boiling away and, you know, just these Old Testament prophets. And 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 the whole idea of it is the fact that um, this is the way you're treating your people. It's like you're devouring them. You're not loving them. And it's like, as I'm preparing for it, I thought, really, it's a simple message. Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on these two things, love God and love others. So I want to finish by, um, by sharing um, a, a bit of a personal story. I'll just read this quote first. People inviting people into safe places to encounter the dangerous message of the gospel is what we need to be about. Inviting people into safe places and then sharing the dangerous message of Jesus. Okay? So I'm going to end with a uh, story that is personal to me. I grew up in a family where um, um, my mother was a brethren girl, you know, um, part of eight children. She was the youngest, brethren girl. And my father was a Catholic boy who uh, had been sort of, uh, his mother died in childbirth, had sort of been a street kid, basically, grew up himself. And my mother and and father met, and I guess there was that um, electricity, you know, he, she was sixteen. He was seventeen. He got her pregnant. Not good for a brethren girl if the people know brethren. Um, so my grandfather they wouldn't. You know, my grandmother wouldn't let them get married in the church. No way you can get married in the church. You know, they have to have a secret sort of wedding. It's humility and stuff like um, you know, like um, these things, embarrassment. My mother. My mother stayed fairly true to her Christian faith and brought up her three sons, of which I'm the youngest, um, in Christian faith. My dad really didn't want much to do with this. That was his illustration of Christianity. It was just like, well, if that's what Christianity is, forget it. But all my, all my years growing up, we would go to churches. My dad had always come Easter, Christmas, all those sort of special times with the family, right? And it was like my dad had a target on his back. Now, I'm not saying the churches are bad, but they always wanted to just win my father to Jesus. You know? It's like, boy, your husband's not a Christian. And they'd invite him to things, breakfasts, blah, blah, blah. They'd do all of those things to basically win him to Jesus. But my dad was a taxi driver, a knock-around taxi driver. He didn't have an education when he was young. He grew up himself. The, the most he could read was the Daily Telegraph. He would write in block letters. That's all he could do. Even he signs his name in block letters. He, he didn't have an education as such academic ways, but he was smart people-wise because he had driven all his life in taxis. He'd talk to people. He had a good grasp of, of current affairs and things because he talked to people. So he understood very well. His, his radar was very attuned to these, these men just want to witness to me. I don't want anything to do with me. Then in my ministry, I moved to the Central Coast, a lower socioeconomic area where there were just knock around people. Great area to minister because people's needs are very raw. And we saw God do amazing things there. My parents ended up moving there. My my father in his his kind of uh, late 60s, early 70s, and they move up there. And the people up there, he met were people that he'd knocked around with sometimes in the inner city of Sydney, in a taxi, some policeman that might have arrested him when he was younger or whatever. And they connected, and they loved him, loved him. They just loved him. They loved him, and loved him, and loved him, and loved him. One day I'm meeting this guy in the church, and he said, Kevin, are you aware your dad comes to a Bible study? What? Really? Yeah, we even getting to read the Bible. I said, "Read the Bible? We can't read." <laughs> I wasn't being disrespectful. I just now uh, he said, "No, no." He, well, he stumbles through, but nobody laughed at him. You know, nobody picked him up or oh, you said that wrong. They just listen, and you know, as a result of that, my dad came to Christ. My dad came to Christ. So many stories I could regale you with. He's in um, coronary intensive care in Gosford Hospital. Not long after. And they call the sons around, my mother, and he looks up at me and says, Kevin, I want to be baptised. Yeah, I baptised him in the hospital, but that does something to your theology of baptism as a Baptist pastor, let me tell you. <laughs> so um, my dad was loved. Now, yes, I've, I've preached a lot throughout my ministerial career, so to speak. But the most powerful effect on a person's life, and I've witnessed it, Firsthand, my dad, and now in these people overseas, is the power of God's love. And so it doesn't surprise me that the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah? Very powerful. Simple.